This podcast is a quest for well-being, a quest for a meaningful life through the exploration of fundamental truths, enlightening ideas, insights on physical, mental, and spiritual health. The inspiration is love. The aspiration is to awaken new ways of thinking that can lead us to a new way of being. Being well. Welcome to Body, Mind, and Soul Healing Conversations. I envision a world where we all get to be ourselves, our fullest, most powerful versions of ourselves, not being small out of loyalty or guilt, scraping by and hobbled out of a sense of duty or convention. Here is a book of simple, informal, and to-the-point prayers to whatever or whomever works for you. The colorful ink and brush illustrations are placeholders for whatever that might be. The words are just starting points to be altered as you see fit. It is not a religious text, nor is it affiliated with any particular tradition. It simply provides daily prompts for seeking guidance, reconnecting to what matters, or finding peace. So consult it whenever you are in need. Valeria Tellez interviews Hannah Burr, the author of Contemporary Prayers to Whatever Works, Help Me, do the thing and the elements a love letter to all things everywhere boston native hannah burr lives and works in northeast michigan as a contemporary artist she uses these and other prayers to relax and enjoy seismic shifts in her life they've helped her remember as she forgets repeatedly that there are larger forces at work gravity for example of which she is a part These prayers help her accept and tap into whatever that is. She is also the author of the first volume of contemporary prayers to whatever works. Help Me, Do the Thing, and The Elements, a love letter to all things everywhere. Meet Hannah at hannahburr.com. Here is the interview with Hannah Burr. In your own words, who is Hannah Burr? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, That's such an interesting question. Hannah Burr is a woman from Boston, Massachusetts, who now lives in Ann Arbor, Michigan. And um, she's an artist. And it turns out that she's also a writer, though she didn't know that. And um, I guess I could speak in the first person. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And for I I was a seeker for a long, long time. I, I was a student of meditation. I studied art and religion in college at Brown University. I was mostly interested on the religious side with what what motivates people, uh, how people make their decisions. And I wanted to know kind of from an anthropological perspective what that was. And I've also, also always been an artist. And over time, that became a practice 
a very broad reaching kind of all inclusive exploration of different uh, spiritual practices. I was raised Episcopal in the Christian tradition in a pretty casual way, you know, kind of Easter and Christmas type of uh, <laughs> religious practice, much more of a social kind of thing. And But I was always very interested in kind of like what we were doing in church and why we were doing what we were doing. It didn't make a lot of sense to me in some ways, and I asked a lot of questions. And that kind of curiosity and interest continued all up until the present day. It's still very interesting to me. So that's a little bit of a start. I can share more, but I'll pause there. <laughs> yes. Uh, when you say seeker, and I have heard that before, I am a seeker, I was so I have two questions for you. What were you seeking? And if you found what you're seeking? Yeah. Well, in high school, I was in my yearbook, it says, uh, voted most likely to figure it all out. Mm -hmm. Wow. <laughs> so I was really interested in what what's it all about, you know, and even when I was a little kid on the playground, I remember sitting with some friends and say, and asking one of my friends, like, have you ever thought about what happens when you die? I mean, like, you're just gone. You know, we were maybe in first grade, very young. And so I've always kind of been interested in that type of thing. Just who are we? What's happening here? And so I studied it in college. And then I began to practice outside of college, a variety of Zen traditions and uh, Tibetan Buddhism a little bit. Also did some hospice work, was interested in learning practices around the dying. I did a practice called the clear light practice for the dying. And then there was a phase of therapy, you know, where trying to just be kind of saintly wasn't working. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> and so it became kind of about <laughs> digging in the muck of your childhood stuff and all of that. So there was maybe a 10 year period of that. And in terms of seeking, I'd say maybe six or seven years ago, there was a real kind of popping into a self-understanding that was completely different than there ever had been before. And that has stuck with me and it continues to evolve. I don't think that process is ever complete, but I do think that this sense of kind of an open presence that's very wide and includes everything, everything that arises, but doesn't, and it doesn't exclude the personality of Hannah, but she's kind of, she's a little bit quieter in, in terms of what, not always, but uh, <laughs> yeah. you know, what's kind of present. And so she's a little bit more kind of in the background where that larger sense of openness and presence is more, is, is more of a direct I don't want to say identification, but so it doesn't feel like they're seeking anymore. Right. Although the same interests are there, the same types of topics and conversations happen, but there's more just, it's just the kind of either the habit or the, the natural interest here, um, if that makes sense. And a question that comes to mind is, would you call this understanding spirituality, being spiritual? And if not, what is spirituality to you? That's a great question. Um, 
for a time, the word spiritual or spirituality, after this kind of shift in under self-understanding, felt kind of silly in a way. Um, It was sort of like, (laughs) what does that mean? Is it... (laughs) Is it like the cover of a, a yoga magazine where someone's sitting like in a lotus position and looks all perfect with like a perfect bun and has a very like easy smile on their face? Like that, sometimes I think that in our country, anyway, the United States, it feels like that's what spirituality, it's like a symbol of something, but that there doesn't seem like there's anything that isn't. It's like... There's no dividing line anymore. Uh, so like there isn't a time in my day that's a spiritual time versus another time. Although there are definitely things that still fall in that category of kind of, I guess I'd call them practices. Like this morning I did, you know, sit and, and do some concentration practice and a little bit of prayer practice uh, just because it's sort of the, the tendency to do that still, you know. And that's what I a lot of times wonder myself about these practices. What are we trying to accomplish with them, Hannah? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. From your perspective, what have you found to be the truth in practices? Mm, Interesting. It, It depends on the practice, I would say. For example, for many years, I went and I sat at an insight meditation center in Cambridge and I was going there as much for the community and the connection mm, right. as I was for the meditation. I was there, I was going as much to sit and have lunch with a group of people who were also meditating as I was to be sitting on a cushion meditating. With prayer, I would say that practice, I haven't really talked a whole lot about prayer yet, but Often I find prayer to be helpful when the mind is really active because it, first of all, it's relational. And so it naturally gives the mind something to, to talk to or to verbalize in a way that's natural for a human brain. So, you know, I statements, you statements, relational statements, and yet what it's doing is it's saying, can you take this? I'm going to leave this with you. Or can you help me with this? Or can you show me how to shift my perspective on this situation? Or help me sleep or whatever the thing is in a way that it sort of tricks the brain. Mm, (laughs) I mean, I I think that there are many levels that, that it happens. There's a mystical level, but there's also kind of a neurological thing. I'm not a neurologist or a scientist, but where it reminds the brain of something larger and it taps into that just in the act of reaching out for that connection. Do you see a difference between prayer and meditation? I do. I find that, I mean, the most sort of, I think, commonly held thing I've heard about the two is that prayer is kind of reaching out and talking and meditation is more a listening. But I find that they do start to blend and they do become kind of mixed up with each other a little bit at at a certain point, if that answers your question. I have a lot of questions about your book, but before I go into it, uh, the introduction, 
in your book was written in 2020. That time last year has been a, a time of challenges and change, interesting change. For you, what has changed? What insights have you gained from 2020? Mm, that's a great question too. Well, it has definitely put a lot in perspective. Yeah. It's brought the elders in my life to the fore and made me aware of how fragile they are in, in, on, in one sense and made me value my elders in a different way and kind of long for them because I am separated um, by several states from my family and have not seen them as much. There's also been a lot of death this year around me and I know around many, many people. I only about 10 days ago lost a dear friend, not to COVID, but to cancer and also my father-in-law. So, and four other people as well. It's been quite, quite a number of losses in my personal sphere. And that brings forward in a very uh, crisp and brings into focus, you could say, just how little control we have over anything. And it brings forward for me how everything is right here and everything that I'm seeking or longing for or uh, thinking about really comes down to the senses and what's literally in front of me to do and that that is enough to just do the next thing. And sometimes that takes a real pause of knowing what that thing is, but it does definitely, it's, it's in much sharper focus that it's what's immediately in front of one is, is kind of where truth is, yeah. where any solution, where love is, etc. Yeah. I think that says it. Yeah. It's so true. That has been for sure one of my biggest insights of my life. And also, um, one of the biggest challenges, it's so challenging to stay in the moment, to focus on what's happening now and be here. Do you often wonder why? <laughs> and is your book a practice, as you mentioned before, prayers in the way that you see it can help us to ask questions or ask for help, which is an interesting idea because we usually don't do that. Now you, you just made me realize that I don't often do that. I don't ask for help. And this is very interesting. So I guess the question I have for you is I talked to a lot of people about guides and garden angels and the spiritual world that we all have those entities ready to help us when we call out for them. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. is that what you mean when you say help me. So in a book, uh, help me too, please help me. Can you help me see, drop, notice? So use a lot the word help, as we have been mm -hmm. saying. Who are we asking for help? Well, so another great question. I, what I love is that you, that is entirely personal to mm. each person. Right. And I find that the who is something very dynamic. Like when I began the practice of prayer or even a consideration of religion and God, I had many, many opinions and beliefs about what God was. And I could, I could talk to you for a long time mm -hmm. about it. I could refer you to books and various things. 
what happened for me was when things got desperate enough, because there was a time for me when I was doing all this spiritual practice and I, I was doing it and thinking life would get better. And instead, things were getting repeatedly taken away and removed. And everything that I thought I could rely on was actually like pulled out from under. And so when that happened, I found, okay, wait, now I'm forgetting your question. Mm, <laughs> Can it, you ask? Yeah. I just want to make sure I get it. I was just starting to go off on a tangent. A That's bit. good, Hannah. That means you're really in the present, <laughs> forgetting the past <laughs> like that. I That's actually a very good demonstration of that. Let me see if I remember too the question. <laughs> it yeah, was... It take a moment. Who, oh, who yeah, are we asking? Yeah, and oh, why yes. so challenging though to stay the moment, to just be here now? <laughs> well, I find that I just sometimes it's like cresting a wave, you know, being present. And sometimes it's like, wait, what are we doing? Yeah, you know, I yeah. forgot. What are we talking about? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so sometimes I think forgetfulness comes along with the territory. But back to the question of what is it that we're praying to? So I love just sidestepping that. It's sort of like my thinking brain wants to know and it wants to mm. pin that down. Right. But I find that whatever that is, is it's like a placeholder. It's, it's something that changes, is dynamic. For a while, it might be like something I grew up with in my religion. And then, then something happens and I realize it's way more intimate and personal or uh, you know, there'll be a synchronicity, like I'll just get the nudge to turn on the radio and there'll be a song playing that is so perfect for the prayer I had or the question I asked. And it makes me realize that, oh, this thing that I'm praying to is really in everything and is very involved. So my conception has changed over time. And it's it's like the relationship has gotten more intimate and deeper but my ideas have kind of stopped formulating yeah. <laughs> around it. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like, and sometimes it's the response is so immediate at this point that it's almost like the, the one praying and the one responding are the same, even though I don't really know how that it's, I'm not saying that I'm God personally, <laughs> but there's like a, there's something very, immediate about it and it's it's prior to any thoughts i have about it but that being said you could be praying to any specific deity or force of nature scientific principle you could be praying to art it doesn't really matter and what that is can be unclear it can be someone else's conception of a god if that is all you've got, or it can just be like, you know, that camp counselor that was so nice, you know, I, that type of presence, somebody like that, or it could be anything, really. I love that openness. And like you said, it also that you have watched, witnessed in yourself, it, it changes. So it evolves. And I absolutely love the comment you made about at some point, you don't know who is asking for help and who is answering. It, it mm -hmm. feels like the same one, same mm -hmm. source. Yeah, that resonates true to me, very much true. What do you think the purpose of the human experience is? And have we chosen to be in a human body? 
Wow. I have no idea. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I, you know, I've had theories and thoughts, but one of the things that I have found is that one kind of prayer that really I get like nothing back is when I ask why, Mm. like, why did this happen? Or those kinds of why questions. It's like I get radio silence when I ask them. And it's not that things aren't sometimes kind of intuitively revealed, but I do find that it's like, it's kind of none of my business. (laughs) 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 You know, like I get (laughs) one way of seeing this is maybe, maybe sounds traditionally Christian or something, but it's this kind of like, I get to be the child of whatever it is. And so with that, it's sort of wonder and awe and curiosity, which is certainly asking why. But sometimes I, I find that I, I, it's the question rather than any kind of answer. Like the thing that I can pin down mm-hmm. as true is probably not it in an absolute sense. Wow. So I, I don't know why we're here. At times I've thought it's like to be tested and to learn. And definitely there feels like there's something evolving consciousness is evolving and it's a really amazing time to be alive it feels like more and more people are coming to see things in an expanded way sometimes it feels this a little bit out there but sometimes it feels like this is a big simulation (laughs) and that Mm -hmm. may just be a metaphor or a dream is another version of that metaphor so it could have just as little or as meaningful content as a dream and yeah. as little substance as a dream. And there are times, you know, the Buddha's emptiness teachings and certain practices can bring that sense of it's like writing in water. It's just contact. It's just flow. And so there's nothing more than that point of contact, which one is perhaps. Um, And so I don't really have any larger theory of it, but there is always that pleasure of asking that question and that drive in me as well to quote, figure it all out. I suppose that in the end, it sort of strikes me dumb a little bit, if you know what I mean. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. So you wrote the book, Contemporary Prayers to Whatever Works. How did you become a writer? And also, how did you become an artist? Yeah, so becoming a writer was really a big surprise and kind of happened by accident through being an artist. As a a young kid, whenever someone would ask me, what do you want to be when you grow up? I would always say an artist. Mm -hmm. I just sort of was always part of my sense of self and my activity, even from really small So that one, I studied art in college. I studied it and kind of did extra in high school. And then outside of college, I I lived in a loft and had art shows. And it kind of flowed almost immediately um, once I graduated from, uh, from, from college. And the writing... Well, I'm a verbal person, a verbal processor. So I've also had people tell me like, 
you know, maybe you should write some of this down. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I have always had a writing practice. Often it was just a journaling type of practice. I have a blog called goodbonfire.com. And that is also a place that I've put my thoughts for a decade or more, a couple decades almost, maybe 15 years. This project, the writing happened as part of just an, an art project idea that I showed a few friends in the form of a PowerPoint where I would put an image in a sentence and it was a prayer. And I showed them a, a few pages and I thought, I don't know, maybe this should be a book. And it was a group of women I met with regularly and they were so excited about it that they they said, well, we all want a copy of this book. And so we're coming over to your house mm -hmm. and we're going to mm -hmm. help you take it to the next step. And so it sort of had a momentum of its own. And I didn't make a whole lot of effort with this particular project, but that was the first. So I originally wrote a book by the same title in 2013. And that book uh, has a whole set of its own prayers and images. So it's a completely different book with the same title. And that was the first book I ever wrote. So I didn't even consider myself a writer after writing that book. But over time, it's now, this is my fourth book. And it's just become a medium that I really enjoy for, for sharing a philosophy, for sharing art in a way that is much more affordable than just kind of having exhibitions and having a few people to an opening. I love how you have a page before the writing or the prayer, you have mm -hmm. the image. What I, I really love about it, that it becomes a visual meditation. To me, that's what mm -hmm. it has become. When I mm -hmm. look at it, it's just, uh, yeah, I'm here now, and this is interesting. <laughs> this is different. <laughs> I don't know exactly what it is, but very interesting. <laughs> and, um, and then I love this. See, it goes back to that. It's interesting because the mind really directed me into the section of your book title, Stay Here. Let me just make mm -hmm. sure that this is right. Uh, yeah, Stay Here, right? Mm -hmm. And when I opened your book, because usually I open books like just to mm -hmm. randomly to see, oh, let mm -hmm. me see. And then just page 61, help me reconnect with what matters and what lasts. Uh, there's more uh, in that page, but this is what really caught my attention. That's why I have been asking you questions about how to stay here. I'm going to go back to a fundamental question is the mind. What is the mind and what are thoughts? I have heard people saying that we are not the mind, we are not thoughts, but why do we get so caught up in, in it? Like as mm. if this is us. Mm. Yeah, that's a great, great questions. Very deep questions. Um, so what is the mind? I'm going to write it down so I don't forget it. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, it's funny. The word mind has always frustrated me. I sometimes use the word brain to refer to the organ that thinks the way the nose smells and the ear hears, the brain thinks. And so when I've had times in my life when I felt like I shouldn't have a kind of thought, like a negative thought or a worried thought or something, uh, that was once shared with me. It's like, would you get mad at the nose for smelling a bad smell mm. any more than getting mm. mad at the brain or, or myself, you know, for 
thinking a, a, a dark thought. So that's on one level. Um, I talk about the brain and actually in this book, in the editing process with Simon and Schuster, I, I actually kind of advocated, they wanted to say my brain and I wanted it to stay the brain because it's like this, it's like there's the body and in a way it's my body. It's my, my kind of vehicle for sensing and being in the world. But in a way it's just like any object out in the view, out in the world. And recently I've been doing a meditation myself on something I heard. I can't remember where, but simply that the the mind is the body and the body, or no, 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 the body is the world. And also like the world is the mind. So this is like, I'm sort of attention shining forth and in the shining forth, the world is. So if I look around the room or if you look around the room right now, it, what is changes things kind of there's the idea and the story that like, oh, well, I'm in the room and I'm seeing the room as I look around the room. But in a funny way, when I really look, it's like the only thing that is is whatever the attention is falling upon. And that is, that's the world. That's, it's like my attention is bringing something into existence almost. And so at different levels, it means different things, I think. And there's very you know, the mind means something in a Buddhist context, the mind means something in one teacher's language or another book you read. It It's so contextually specific, but it's also a word kind of like the word God and that it means something different to everybody who's using it in a funny way. Right. So what is the mind? And I mean, another thing that I find more and more is that when a thought comes through, it's coming through the same way that a sound is coming through or something else. This, the thought that it's mine or this identification with thought as something I myself am doing, I find more and more that it, it feels loosened up from that. And it's more like thought is just happening the way that the weather is happening or a bird is flying by or the sound of a car horn is is happening. And it the suffering is when I kind of hook on to a thought. I don't even know what does it. It's just, it's like the brain's default is to just kind of grab onto something and then yeah. to then to kind of get, get a little sucked in by it. And that's where suffering I find happens when, mm. when a thought is identified with, and then kind of, sometimes it's fun just to kind of like in the book, there are thought exercises, like here's what I'm grateful for in the day. And it's just letting those gratitudes roll as a, a fun way to engage the brain. And that's really a lot of what this book is. It's, it's a way to direct the thinking part of us or the communicating, the verbal part of us in a way that is healing and connecting and comforting also. Especially, you know, in a year like we've had where things that were normal, like going to work and coming home and having a certain distance from your children or from your spouse or 
whatever it might be, those things have gotten all jumbled up and it's hard to know which end is up. So something as simple as just a phrase I can say, you know, help, help please be the doer of this day mm. is one of the prayers in this book. And it's just like, I don't know what to do. I don't, I don't, I don't know if I can bear another minute in front of X person or without my own space or having to look at the mess in the kitchen or whatever is going on. That's just a way to direct thought that is like, it's kind of like outsourcing. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> or kind of leaning right. on a banister and going, wow, I don't have to hold myself up by my own weight in a way. Yeah, that's what it comes across to me, the message. And I love the way you say that, the way you put it. So attention, perception, also the idea of redirecting thoughts to this place of gratitude and healing and connecting with everything, ourselves and the outside, life itself and others. That's a really beautiful, compassionate work, Hannah. Thank you. Mm. It's Thank you. Really beautiful because that's coming from also deep understanding. You have to come to understand the mind as you know it, uh, yourself, and how we as human experience it. And now you're applying these healing tools through what you do art and words, which is to me, writing, it's uh, one of the most powerful healing tools. Do you think this kind of mind also exists without the body? Yeah, I think that the physical form is like the least real thing. Mm, right. You know, so it's the inverse of the scientific view of matter. Although, relatively speaking, that is a very accurate, you know, picture of of cause and effect in the world. Yeah. But in terms of the larger sense of consciousness, I believe that, you know, this world arises within mind. So when I say the body is the world... It's like this mechanism, this, uh, and it is a little bit of a paradox that I'm not going to claim to understand, <laughs> <laughs> but somehow this mechanism of, it's like the body is like the ticket in. It's the, it's the vehicle through which one can become conscious and become self-reflective and experience the world. So it's needed, but it's, it's like then it kind of, it's a little bit like a, a seed that opens and blooms and then, you know, kind of isn't needed or something. But I can't claim to know about other realms or, you know, anything like that. That isn't really my purview. Let me read this uh, stay here section. I love this that you write. You said, thank you for being the tree in my yard and the chair I'm sitting in. So that's that kind of uh, connection that you speak of, like being able to see that, that everything's connected. The tree is out there, but it's also here. So it's, mm -hmm. um, it's everywhere and it's here. I have a few more questions, though. Those are the ending questions. Would you like to add anything or read a passage in your book? Well, I'll just say that particular phrase. I remember when I was about 20, I was making art in my studio, I think maybe 22 And I just remember in the middle of, of making art that fr the phrase, I will always be the tree in your yard, just showed up out of nowhere. And it just moved me, I think, to tears. And I didn't know what it meant, but I never forgot it. And so later, 
I had, you know, I had an experience of, of hearing back of kind of from, from, uh, whatever I was praying to, I, I, it became a kind of conversation and that was the tone of it. So I feel like that in, when I was in my early twenties, there was a moment of, of hearing clearly that and not really knowing what it was. But later it became a prayer of thanks. Thank you for being the tree in my yard and the chair that I'm sitting in. How beautiful. I love that. <laughs> love, hmm. love, love, love a thousand times. That made me really <laughs> melt in the whole body, everything, just the being, just kind of, oh, this is, yeah, yeah, this is just. And then I have to add beautiful because that's how I see nature itself. Um, that's hmm. true beauty to me. My last question to you is what are three things about life you know for sure as of this moment? Three things. <laughs> you might know more. Um, gosh, what do I? What are three things? You do not do softballs. <laughs> what are three? What are three things that I know about life for sure? Uh, I know that it's right here and right now. That even though that sounds like a cliche, that all of the things we seek, all of the love and the peace and the happiness, all of the things we want to gain, which we all do. Every one of us has those dreams, those visions. There, there's nowhere other than this, just this, where that is. And it's not even a place. It's just, there's no where to go look for it because it's it's here. It's what's looking, mm -hmm. as yeah. as many people have said in in various ways. So that's one thing that I will forget that at times when passions get in there or I get zapped with an anxiety or a fear, which is part of the conditioning here, right. um, does come up and that can eclipse that understanding. But I do know that for sure. It's been experience, and it it feels more and clearer and clearer. Uh, so that's one thing that I know for sure. I know that, golly, what else do I know for sure? <laughs> um, that it's all about relationships, strangely, that somehow that's why the prayer is so valuable, because I'm learning intimacy and vulnerability through reaching out that way through the gesture of prayer, you could say. I'm learning to be honest at a deeper level. I'm learning to let myself be seen not looking pretty. And that feels very important to me. That if it was always polished and always looked good, it would be so unrelatable and so kind of hostile. And that is the antithesis of relationship so that would be, I think, the second thing that somehow it's all about relationship. And then the third is that in a strange way, I can't explain the other is both this mysterious thing I can never fully understand. Like you and I, we may be sharing this conversation, but we're really having very distinct experiences right. of this moment. True. I don't see what you see or... I'm not hearing the way that you would hear because of the whole life that you've lived that's different. So the other is a, a deep mystery and somehow mm -hmm. myself, mm -hmm. somehow within me and I in them. 
And so I don't, I don't claim to understand. I couldn't, I couldn't prove this. I, I wouldn't want to, but it is, those are three things that I experientially know more and more deeply over time. I love your wisdom, Hannah. I love how you express that wisdom. I love your work. I love everything about you. It's just oh, hey, beautiful. thanks. Yeah, it's very authentic. <laughs> what a great way to spend a half an hour. <laughs> <laughs> right. It's beautiful, really, truly beautiful. Thank you. Well, thank you. For everything. So before we say goodbye, where can we find more information about you, your books, products, services, and future projects? Sure. Um, there are a couple of places. Probably the easiest place would be if you're interested in this new book, which comes out on March 23rd, you could go to Goodreads. There's a giveaway going on right now for the next couple of days, like five days, I think. And so you look up Hannah Burr and Goodreads, and you'll come up with that. Or you can go to hannahburr.com, that's H-A-N-N-A-H-B as in boy, U-R-R.com. And there's a tab for books, there's a tab for my blog, and there's a tab for my shop, which is where uh, you can find all the other books and related projects. A little bit more about the blog has a lot about why prayer and what about the word God? What are my thoughts there? Philosophy of meditation. And then lately I've been writing about messes and mm, yeah, just sort of as a theme in my blog. <laughs> uh, thank you so much again, Hannah, and we'll talk soon. Thank you very much. I really appreciate it. Bye for now. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening. To learn more about Hannah Burr and her work, please visit hannahburr.com. To learn more about this podcast, please visit fitforjoy.org slash podcast. Thank you again for listening and bye for now. <laughs>